I appreciate everybody that's here. I really like seeing the face of Laura here tonight. You know, now I'm going to say something here. Um, the, the whole Gachi family came to my mind about two months ago. And it's also the same time, probably a little after that, is when I started preaching about patience and impatience. And the Lord started teaching me something there. And I didn't immediately contact him or anything. You know what the Lord told me to do? What do you think he told me to do? Just pray. Just pray. Well, the patience is needed in that too because you're praying. You may want to do one thing, but God says do it a different way. So I just started praying. I didn't think anything was wrong or anything like that. It's just that I think God was setting up things so that by the time the, the connection was made, that everything would flow very good. And so I think that's what God does. We have things that trouble our mind a lot, don't we? Don't we have many voices that we hear from time to time? Um, but there's only one true voice. That's the voice of God. Simple as that. And um, Dan has been teaching on love. And it's such a powerful thing. But I think we're going parallel with that, with the patience and the impatience. And uh, we have probably about four people that are following our lessons in other churches. So that's why I wanted to go ahead and record. They, they, they miss out when we do Wednesday night and we don't do a continuation, you know. So I, I want them to be able to continue with us. Some have called me and asked me questions concerned about the lessons. So you know what that does? That just shows me that, it's, number one, it's needed that the body of Christ is is interested in the things that God is saying and that the elders are receiving the word from God. Talk to Dan today. Man, what a blessing just talking to him for just a little while today. It was just great. And uh, God has shown me a few more things and I, I ran it past the elders. You got to stop and think. There's seven of us elders and, you know, we're, we're over these, what, four churches or so? And, um, but, God is blessing us, man, to, to be a one, you know, to come into the knowledge of being one. That is such a great thing. So I appreciate God for that. And the other thing is I appreciate God for humbling us under the mighty hand of God so that he can raise us in due season. And he's raising us now. This is the due season. If you didn't figure it out, this is the due season. So he's raising us up now. So uh, and we're going to be together. We are going to be together. We're going to be a one. So we've been talking about, we started off talking about impatience, didn't we? So I'm just going to ask a question to what What's the root of impatience? Anybody remember? Pride. You wouldn't think that, you know, but, but impatience involves, you know, wanting to be in control. Uh, impatience will cause so many things. It can cause strife, contention, offense. You know, if you're too quick, too hasty to say something, do something, whatever, can it cause problems? How many of us have made mistakes being too hasty and it cost us different things? You know, I mean, it, it hurt. It may have hurt somebody really bad being hasty with the mouth or being hasty to perform an action or something, you know. And um, so we talked about that impatience. We gave you some examples from the word of God, how that worked. And then we talked about patience which is a virtue of the Lord. God, God is very patient toward us. God is patient and long-suffering, 
Now, we, we, we go right into a couple of more words that go along with that. You can't have patience without understanding what long-suffering and forbearance is, okay? So we talked about a lot of different things. How many of us realize that we need to exercise more patience? I'm not talking about here, just here. That there'll be a manifestation here, but even in your thought, isn't that where it is? It's a spiritual thing, isn't it? We are impatient sometimes even to know the things of God and we'll lust after it and not be patient for God to give it to us. We'll pray and because things are the expectation that we have doesn't come to pass, we, we're ready to turn on God. Well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Gosh, we talked about the patience of Job, right? And all the different things. He was a perfect and upright man, but God saw something in him that he had to pull out. And, and so he allowed Satan to touch him, and it brought it out. You know, sometimes we say we, we love God, <laughs> but the love of God will never accuse God, will never abuse God, will never put God down, will never make you want to quit and go back from God. You know, th- these things, we have to stop and think, is there another being that's making that happen? You know, we blame ourselves and we go into condemnation, but who is it really that's bringing that thought to your mind? It's the man of sin that it talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's the man of sin. If there's anything that's trying to separate you from God, it's the man of sin. He is an evil spirit. Had a dream about him, uh, trance or whatever you want to call it, the other day. And God showed me some more things about this, this spirit. But it's important for us to understand that when we come to the point that uh, the waters are agitated, what I'm saying by that, God starts bringing things to you that you need to overcome. He agitates them from those waters. They come up, and now you see all of a sudden you start having problems with communication. You start having problems with pride or, or envy or it may be offense or whatever. You say, wait a minute, why is all of this come? Lust. Why is this all coming up at this time now? Why? What if I told you it's God bringing it up? God's agitating those waters which contain death, hell, the serpent, the dragon, all those things. He irritates it. He brings it up, agitates it. And why would God bring up those evil things to you? Why do you think? So they can be overcome. If they're never presented to you, and you, if you never recognize that these things are working in you, God brings it forth and said, now I'm going to show you what this spirit really does. And, and the only way you're going to overcome it, you're going to have to overcome it by the Father spirits, which is the Father, which is God, right? He's going to have to help you to overcome that thing that's come up. You think you're going to fight it in your flesh? I'm going to tell you another thing. You get whooped real quick. You have to fight these things with the Spirit of God. You have to walk with Jesus, love Jesus, and understand that he is there in that with you. What, what did we say the other week? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art, you're with me. Then we say nothing will separate us from the love of God. He's with you. So if he's with you, what, did, what was another thing he said? In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So tri- tribulation is trouble. So have we ever had troubled minds? 
All of us have. There's not a person in here that has not had a troubled mind. Have you had times where so many voices were speaking to you that you didn't know where to go and what to do? What God wants to do is put that voice in a singularity and let you know it's him and not all these other voices that are in your world. These are spirits, guys, that we have to come against. So we're continuing this thing on the aspect of impatience and patience. And uh, we went into some long-suffering and forbearance last Wednesday. But now I want to go a little bit deeper into it because I want you to understand what they actually are, okay? Now, this forbearance is kind of like a tolerance, God having a tolerance um, to wait on certain things to come to pass. It goes right along with long-suffering. What if I was to tell you that all of these things, both of them, work by... Prophecy. Say, wait a minute, how, why are you saying that? Prophecy works in the was, the is, and, and is to come. It's not linear. It's not how we view time. Something in the past may help you now. Something you're doing now may correct something in the past. And something that's in the past may take care of something for you in the future. It is not linear. It is the plan of God from the beginning. Who is prophecy all about? It's about Jesus Christ, isn't it? Uh, The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So his whole testimony, his whole witness is about prophecy. The Bible is a prophetic from beginning to end. Uh, Didn't it say he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end? It's all prophecy, believe it or not. So I'm going to show you an example tonight about this forbearance. Now, forbearance and suffering work together. But let me tell you something. As God has long suffering toward us and forbearance toward us, in turn, we have to start having long suffering and forbearance in the things concerning God and concerning among ourselves, each other. We have to have the same thing. Why would God exercise it on us and then tell us, well, you don't have to worry about it. You never have to learn that. No, you're going to have to learn some long suffering. How many of us have been through things that went on for years and it just seemed like it was bad? Bad stuff that happened for a long time. But if you stuck with God, that's the key. You didn't abandon him, you stayed with him, that's the key. Do people suffer in this world? Sure they do. But you've got to have the right mind and know what suffering is, is for. Forbearance, you need to know what it's for. We know these words, we see these words in the Bible, we really know what they mean and what the experience is of that. So let me show you one of them right now. Uh, We're going to go back to that same chapter that I showed you about the impatience of the children of Israel. Remember Moses was gone and they said, okay, we're going to make us another God. They made a golden calf in a pot. Remember all of that? Okay, let's go to this. I want to show you something. Uh, Exodus 30, and we're just going to start probably at verse 1 or 2. I want to show you what this is saying here. This is very... um, Okay, so we know Moses is up on the the mountain and so forth, and God gives him some commandments, and and he goes up uh, to so he can get the... the, um, commandments of God, and uh, God gives us some things concerning the priests and all these other things, and um, let's see, is it 30 or 32? 
Yeah, 32. So chapter 32 of Exodus, and when the people saw that Moses delayed coming back down, what did they start doing? They, they asked Aaron to, hey, hey, we need to have, so this man's not here. We're not seeing him. We got to have something to look on, right? So Aaron tells him, oh, take your earrings and your, all that stuff. It's all dumping in a pot. And he told Moses when Moses came down and questioned him about it, said, yeah, we dumped in the pot and out came this calf. Come on. Out came this calf. It tells you that Aaron fashioned the calf <laughs> and, and made it the way it was. And uh, so now that's very important. Very important. Why a calf? Why, when they threw all that gold in, why did a calf come out? Anybody remember? Egypt is what? The fair heifer. Did they still long for Egypt? Did they have Egypt in them? That's why a calf came out. Very powerful. So they start talking here, and uh, he built, Aaron built the altar and did all that stuff. And then on the way back down, <laughs> Moses turned and went down from the mount, and they heard all this noise. And they said, ooh, there's a war going on down there. there well, some type of war started while we were gone. And uh, he said, that's not the sound of war. That's the sound of singing and partying. I'm adding, you know, he said, that's what's going on down there. We better hurry up and get down there. Well, if you read there, God tells him what's going on down there. He said, the people have, you know, started worshiping an idol and that they're having a party down there and they're lusting after things, whatever. God tells them that. That's what these people are doing. You better get on down there, okay? So this is very powerful. <laughs> and Joshua's the one that heard all that noise and all that. And uh, Moses saw that the people were naked. Did you remember that? Anybody remember that from before? Oh, yeah. Verse 25, of, uh, if you want to look at it, they had gotten into such a frenzy, they all took their clothes off. They were naked. They were having a party, guys, and they were worshiping this God that came out of the pot. Shows you how far they went. Do you think God maybe got a little vexed at that? You think? Yeah. Wow. So this is what's going on. And Moses said unto the people about all this stuff that they were doing. And he talked about how he said, make us gods and all that. And God started talking to Moses. And he said this. He said, he told him. He said, get out the way. Let me destroy them and I'll start a new group of people with you. That's how angry God was. He said, let me destroy. I know these are stiff-necked people, but get out the way and let me, let me start a new group with you, okay? And he said, uh, he talked to Moses. He said, and, and why are you speaking to me about this? Why are you saying things? Why are you coming up to me and saying, Lord, please don't, please don't, please don't? I'm paraphrasing, okay? So he tells Moses that. Now, think about this. Moses hadn't said a word about that yet. It's later on he comes down there. He, first he tells God, first that they're going to say that you brought them out in the desert to kill them, all the enemies around here and all that stuff. They're going to say this, that God couldn't keep them, the God of Israel couldn't keep them, all this stuff. He said, Lord, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, whatever. And, but before he even said that, God told him, said, leave me alone. So why did he tell him to leave him alone? He hadn't even mentioned any of that yet. 
oh, I'm going to tell you something. It's the beginning of forbearance. Then, after Moses talks to him, do you think Moses is advising God or counseling him? Or do you think God knows what Moses is thinking and what he's going to say and do? He knew that. This is where the forbearance is going to come in. And so Moses goes down. He said, Lord, please don't, please don't. So God said, okay, I repent. I won't do it. But he'd already told Moses, what are you speaking to me about this for? Leave me alone. Let me do what I want to do. And he hadn't said anything yet. So Moses goes down. And I'm going to tell you why. Moses goes down the rest of the way, and he sees the people himself. Guess what he does? He gets so mad. <laughs> he breaks the tablets. He grinds up the, the idol and makes it into dust almost, throws it in the water, the river that's there, makes the people drink of it. You know, he's, he's upset. He tells Aaron, he said, what did you allow the people to do this for? I mean, he is upset. The very thing he asked God not to do, guess what he did? He did it. And God knew that already. <laughs> he said, I'm going to let you experience this. Yeah, I repented what I was going to do to them, but that's why I told you don't even talk to me about them even before you said anything, because I know already God is already exercising forbearance not to destroy Israel. Did he have every right to? Oh, yeah, every right. But he's exercising forbearance, and you know why? Forbearance has a little bit of, what would you think? You think some a little bit of forgiveness and forbearance? is God maybe forgiving beforehand without destroying so that he can teach them again and try to bring them to a place of understanding. This is forbearance, guys. This is what God does for us all the time. How long do we walk around not giving God the honor, whatever? Honor is to ourselves. We, knew, we thought we knew what we knew. We, we had all this stuff. You think he did some forbearance with us? Even when we got into certain truth, did we start depending on knowledge to get us where we needed to go? Do you think he had some forbearance during that time? Is as is all this other kind of stuff. Do you think he had forbearance? Oh, he had a lot of forbearance because he knew what was going to come out on the other side. That's the thing about prophecy. God knows the was, the is, and the is to come. He knows what you're going to do when you don't even know what you're going to do. The forbearance is through the knowledge of God and prophecy. He understands that. So that's why God will suffer along with us sometimes, because he knows what the end of it is going to be. Let me give you another example. You remember the man that was laying by the, the pool and the angel came down and troubled the waters and so forth? Anybody remember how long he laid there? 38 years. Can you imagine? You've been married 30 can you imagine lying by a pool, being impotent? That means weakness. He had no a spiritual weakness, guys. He was weak. He couldn't do anything. He, in his weakness, he just laid in that weakness, kept bringing forth the weakness in his own mind. He even told Jesus when Jesus asked him about how long he'd been lying there, he said, well, every time I need to go in, there's nobody that'll help me get in. Somebody gets in before me. And for 38 years, I think I'd figure out a way to get into that pool even if I had to hire somebody or do whatever I had to do. You see what I'm getting at? But he accepted that, that weakness, and he laid there for 38 years. Now, how many of you realize that that weakness was caused by a sin? In that case, it was caused by a sin. How do we know that? 
After Jesus tells him to take up his bed and walk and all of that, he meets him later in the marketplace. And, and he lets him know. He says, all right, all right, now you've been healed. And you've been healed spiritually. Whatever that problem was, I took care of it between you and the Father because I'm the intermediary, see? And so he said, but don't sin like that again or a worse thing will happen to you is what he tells him. So now we know why he was in that condition, huh? See, sometimes we think certain things happen because we made them happen. And to a certain extent, we did. But what if we started a curse? What if we started the beginning of something that was going to harm us for a very long time? That's what this man did. A very powerful thing. And so I think after Jesus told him that, this is my own opinion, I don't think that guy ever sinned like that again. I think he went on his way and said, I, after 38 years, this man came and delivered me. But there was there forbearance for Christ to come there? Remember, the guy couldn't get in the pool, remember? But Jesus said, you don't have to wait for that angel to stir the pool. I'm here now. And I said, take up your bed and walk. There was much forbearance for this man. 38 years, God waited for him to come to a place. So when he came up, that he could speak to him, and he told him the story, and then Jesus said, I see what you, you need some help here. Boom, get up, take up your bed. This is very powerful. But there's a forbearance that's working here. Did the guy suffer long? Yeah, he did. How many of us would like to suffer for 38 years? <laughs> suffer for 38 years in something. Because, and we caused it ourselves. Wow. And then you say to yourself, I'll never do that <laughs> again. But you had to learn a hard lesson, didn't you? But did God forbear? Did he allow you to come back to yourself like the prodigal son? And you can raise up and you can go back to your father. And guess what God does? He'll receive you again, won't he? This is what forbearance is all about, guys. This is what it's all about. Uh, go with me to Galatians 4. This is very powerful, too. Galatians 4. This is one of Ernest's favorite scriptures here, beginning at verse 1. Huh? You like this. Okay, now listen to this. Which things, are, uh, I'm going to start with 23. But he was, who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. What are we talking about? We're talking about Abraham's seed, right? We're talking about Sarah. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about Ishmael. We're talking about Isaac, okay? But he that was of the free woman was by promise. So Isaac was the promised seed, wasn't he? But what did Abraham do beforehand, 25 or 17 years before? He begot himself a son, didn't he? through the bondmaid. And what was that son's name? It was Ishmael. And what did he even ask God when God appeared to him again? He said, oh, that Ishmael would live before. Let this be the promised seed. God said, no, this is not going to be the promised seed. You know why? Because you could beget him yourself. God waited until his body was dead and Sarah's womb was dead. And then he said, now's the right time. Because what does God want to show them? His power. So when it's impossible with man, God moves and says, now I'm going to show you my power. And did she have a child? What was it, 99, 100 years, 99 years old? 
Abraham 100? My goodness. And came forth what? Isaac. Did God forbear when Abraham got that other son? He did, didn't he? Was he long-suffering in that weakness that Abraham showed at that time? See, Abraham didn't, wasn't the father of faith from the very beginning. In fact, he was Abram, wasn't he? And then he didn't become that father of faith until what? What was the big thing that God said, now I know? When he was going to sacrifice Isaac. Now, had he been growing in faith all that time with God, walking with God? Of course he had. But then he put the ultimate test to him. Look, we've been waiting all this time for this promised seed. Now I want you to take him on the mountain and sacrifice him. What? <laughs> That's what we would say, huh? What? We've been waiting all this time, all this, the miracle happened. Now you want me to sacrifice him? Yeah. Abraham didn't bring all those questions up. He didn't bring them up. He just said, let's get the servants. Let's load up the equipment. Let's go up the mountain. And another thing I love that he said, they got all the way up in the mountain, and he left his two servants there, and he told them, he said, you wait here until I and the lad come back. He was already thinking whatever he had to do up there, if he had to sacrifice whatever God was able to raise him up again. Isn't that true? What faith? That's when he really became the father of faith. So he went up there, and, and Isaac told him. He started gathering all the stuff, building the altar. said, Father, I see all of this stuff we're doing for the altar. I don't see the sacrifice. He said, the Lord will provide my stuff. Can you imagine what it might have been like when you put him up on that? They say it might have been about 17 years old. Put him up on the, the thing, tied him, because you had to tie the sacrifice. You know, hand and feet, the sheep that you would do, the lamb. And, and I don't see any kickback other than that one question when he asked his father, well, where's the sacrifice? And he said, the Lord will provide. And he was ready. He put him up there. I don't see any kickback from Isaac. Nothing. He had taught his son very well about faith. And as he laid there, he got a dagger. And he raised it above his head and was going to bring it down and start that sacrifice because that's how you started it. You put the dagger in, you let it bleed out, and then you do whatever you did, the rest of the stuff, and offered the blood up to God, the whole thing. But as he was getting ready to come down, angel called him out of heaven. Hold up there, Abraham. <laughs> Hold up. And he told him, look. And there was a ram in the thicket. And he went and got the ram. But God told him this. He said, now I know. You think God didn't know already? Why did he make that statement? So Abraham would know. He would carry it all the way through. I'm not going to withhold anything from God. That made him the father of faith. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Can we do that, you think? Do you think we can have the same mindset not to withhold anything from God? But God was doing some forbearance there. He had to forbear because of Ishmael, and he had to forbear about what was going to go on with Isaac. You know, and, and he knew Abraham was going to do it, and Abraham knew he was going to come back again. What faith is that? And when you can say that I and the lad are going to come back, yet you know you're there to sacrifice him? So did Abraham practice some forbearance too? Do you know forbearance is linked to faith? Yes, it is. You will forbear because you know God is going to do something to make the situation right. And you have to believe that. Sometimes we see obstacles in front of us and we say, gosh, I don't know if I can make it through this. Yeah, you can. Because you'll be able to forbear. 
And if it doesn't come out the way you think, you know God's still able. That's the thing that's powerful. So you go and do it. So forbearance is what we have to have too, guys. In belief in God, shouldn't we forbear? And even though we don't understand and we don't see it yet, yet we believe it that God's going to bring it to pass. We have to forbear. What if somebody sins against you? Can you forbear then? Do we have to sometimes? Don't we have to do that? We have to forbear because God may be working with them to bring them out on the other end. You see how this works? How many of us have forbearance one for another? I'm going to go back to marriage again. Do we forbear one with another? You should. Sometimes you, you can criticize a person or tell them this or tell them that and keep saying, you know, you say it's white, they say it's black, whatever, you know, everything. Do you always have to be right? Do you always have to carry your thing out to the very end? You know, that I, my dad used to do something to us. Um, he was in the Army, and he made the boys strip the floors and take the old wax off the floors when you move from one place to another. So you had to clear quarters is what they call it. So he'd make us take the old wax. We put strip down there, stripper, and we'd take all the stuff. And then we had to re-wax it and make it shine a certain way. And then he'd come in and inspect it. His two sons, you know, me and Alan. And he would come in and inspect it and look and see what kind of job we did. And we're up there standing, hey, man, this looks good. Floor shining and all that stuff. And my dad would go walk, walk in. And he'd look around a little bit and he'd go to one corner. And he would say, boys, you missed a spot over here. You're going to have to do this corner all over again. And we thought we had done pretty good. Now, here's the thing I'm saying. Here's the thing I'm saying. Sometimes we can be too critical on some things. You get two teenage boys stripping floors, you know, whatever. They did a pretty good job. I think maybe you ought to go over there and look and forbear because we had been working all afternoon trying to get that thing done. But because he saw something that wasn't quite up to his standard, but he couldn't forbear. He was one of those type of guys. He could. So we were in the Army all the time that we were growing up, whether we knew it or not. <laughs> We were already, so I already served some service time before I went to the Marine Corps. <laughs> that's just the way it worked. But that's just how he did things. That was his thing. And sometimes we do that. I, I've seen myself do that for a certain, hey, you could have done this better, you could have done that. But they strive. I remember one time, uh, I don't know which one of my kids, they, they made up a bed, and I was trying to show them how to make up a bed real good, you know, like you do in the military. And I came in the room and I looked at it. It was one of the sloppiest beds. Ever, but they had tried. They had tried. They had tried. You know, they didn't tuck the corners in as well as I would have, whatever. I said, hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good this time. That's pretty good. We'll, we'll work on it and do better next time. Instead of tearing it all up and having, no, no, that's pretty good. He made an effort in it and tried as hard as he could. So that was good. I said, pretty good. That's pretty good. It wasn't, but I said, <laughs> you had to forbear, you know. And then the next time, he actually did do better and making up the bed and whatever. Took more time with it. Patience. Did I always exercise patience? No. Was I impatient in a lot of things? How many of you ever been impatient with your kids? I see everybody going. Everybody. Isn't that true? Hey, kids, how many times have you been impatient with your parents? Uh, yeah, many. 
They didn't do things quite the way you thought they should, right? Golly, we have to get this down, don't we? Because even though I'm putting in natural examples of what we're doing, there's a spiritual element. It starts with your thought. So can you forbear? Can you forgive? Hard thing. It's so hard for us sometimes. But if we're walking in the love of Christ, we can do it. If we walk and we believe, if we're believers, we will believe and we'll say Christ will make this right. We can be believers. Don't we have to be the believers till we love God without reservation? We have to love him without reservation, knowing that God is going to take care of everything. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We'll come to a finality. We'll come to the end of that thing, and God is going to bless us in it because we strive the whole time to please God and to be humble and to allow God to work in our life. Isn't that true? That's what we need, man. That's what we need. So can you see how the patience and impatience leads right into long-suffering and forbearance? We need to learn to forbear. It may not be perfect all the time, but let's forbear. And then we'll work on to perfection. Doesn't it say we're going to work on? Be perfect in, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Do we keep walking on till we come to perfection? Yes, and we're going to learn as we go along. But we're not going to have it all at once, are we? We're not going to have it all at once. But do we have to progress and keep walking in it? Yes, and we have to have patience, not to be so impatient. We have to forbear and we have to have some long suffering. You think you can suffer long now that you understand that God suffered long with us? So we have to in turn suffer long with others, right? We do that. It's, I'm not telling you it's easy. I think it's hard. It's hard because we're not used to doing it. But once we start doing it, it won't be so hard. You see what I mean? At least we've got to start somewhere. Isn't that how it works? So this is what I wanted to tell you tonight. This is Suffering and forbearance go right along with the patience and the impatience. God is patient with us. He is long-suffering. Didn't it say love is long-suffering? Yes, it is. It suffers a lot of things that fight back against it. And that's disobedient. Isn't that true? And all of it. But God has to look beyond that to see, yeah, they'll be obedient one day. They'll love me one day enough to be able to do that. We're children. Are we not? God knows it. So he's going to keep doing this until we get it right. Then we can come to the full stature of Christ and be a man or a woman, right? We can be that. Anybody got any questions for me about what I said tonight? About forbearance and long-suffering? Once again, glad to have Ms. Laura with us. <laughs>